Out of left field, presented by Farm Bureau. Mark Gregory and Charlie Winfield. Supposed to be getting ready for Super Bulldog weekend. Dogs would be coming off a sweep at Auburn. Everything going in the right direction. You'd have Thursday, Friday, Saturday against the Ole Miss Rebels. But uh, we haven't played baseball in a while. Charlie and I got a great show tonight. Charlie, hey, first of all, hadn't seen you in a week. How you doing, man? You look like you've lost some weight, growing some facial hair. I've hardly lost weight. I've done nothing but eat. This quarantine is killing me. Oh, my goodness. Well, the thing about earlier this week, we had a chance to sit down as a media and hear from Chris Lamonis. And one of the first times we've had a chance to talk to Chris Lamonis and all the media was asking, they were asking about the roster sizes and what you see in in the future. And he got to talking about just kind of how disappointing it was. That was really the first time we heard about uh, how disappointing it was to come off the field against Texas Tech those two nights down in Biloxi. And he was talking about Greg Campbell, the sports information director, handing him a phone and saying, hey, Coach, during the game tonight, the NBA cut its season. They're done for a while. And that's when reality began to set in. And then the NCAA ruling last week, of course, everyone gets that extra year. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's waiting on the major league draft, waiting on the major leagues to decide how long that draft is going to be, whether it be five rounds or ten rounds. Jordan Westberg, Justin Foscue, two guys that still could be drafted very high. But then all of a sudden, Charlie, everything becomes a lot of question marks. Of course, everyone in the program wants to go and play professional baseball, but if you look at a Carlisle Kessler, who was a transfer, a graduate transfer this past year from southeastern Louisiana, he would be in his seventh year of college. And then you look at uh, David Dunleavy, who transferred from Furman. You've got some guys in a program that have been in college for a while. And then you look at guys like a Riley Self or a Spencer Price, who in their Seasons where they could really get some leverage with their draft. Now, all of a sudden, if the draft is capped at five rounds, the max you can get as a free agent is 20000 Do those guys begin to come back? The The big thing about this is with all these question marks, they're still question marks. Yeah, they are, and that's the thing. Boy, I tell you, next year is going to be really interesting to see from a lot of angles, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens two years from now as well. I don't think this is going to sort out for quite a while because all of these things, whether a Carlisle Kessler comes back, whether a Dunleavy comes back, now all of a sudden maybe you've got some younger guys. And this is a situation at every school. How long will young guys who are kind of waiting their turn, how long are they going to stay around? How are we going to manage rosters? This is going to take years to sort out. Well, it really will. And and we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum over the past few weeks is what happens to those guys you know, who are on your roster that all of a sudden may not have a spot, that may not have an opportunity to get that playing time, that came here as a junior college transfer thinking this is going to be, you know, a wait-out year and then next year I step into a starting role. And the thing that Chris Lamonis talked about was kind of the frustrations about how baseball is really the, the sport in flux right now from a roster management standpoint. At the end of the day, it comes back to the same thing we've been touching on is one – Junior college baseball is going to get really good. Oh, boy. (laughs) Two, with all the transfers, and two, each and every year, if you're a good mid-major, you're like, man, I tell you what, if things fall the right place, we could see ourselves as Cinderella and going to the College World Series. Next year, there's going to be several teams that could possibly say that and really do it. Yeah, there absolutely are. And I think 
something we've said before, those Tuesday night games, those Wednesday night games are going to be really tough. You think back to a ball game Mississippi State played, what was it last year where Graham Ashcraft came over, who used to UAB. be at Mississippi State, now he's at UAB, and for five innings just shut Mississippi State down. You're going to see those type things taking place more and more in the midweek. And college baseball is going to be as competitive as it's ever been. Got a great show lined up for you tonight. Former Bulldog Jeffrey Ray will join us. Of course, was the all-time hits leader at Mississippi State until Jake Mangum broke that record last year. And then we have a chance later today to talk with Pat McMahon. We haven't talked to Pat McMahon in a long time. Of course, was the head coach at Mississippi State from 2000, or excuse me, 1998 to 2001. And then went to Florida. He was an assistant coach here in the mid-1980s, was a graduate assistant before that, went to Old, Old Dominion to be the head coach, came back, and was a big part of Mississippi State history. And it's it's going to be great to talk with Pat McMahon, Charlie. Oh, absolutely. That's a guy who, you know, because Ron Polk was here before and after, sometimes the Pat McMahon years get overlooked. But there are some really good ball clubs in there. It'd be fun to talk about. Of course, we're presented by Farm Bureau. Go with a home team. Go to favorites.com, get your rates online. If you if you have an insurance carrier that's someone else other than Farm Bureau, just get some rates from them. They're great. They're good with the home team. They've got somebody in every county, in every community in the state of Mississippi. And so go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Well, when we come back, we'll talk to former Bulldog and Farm Bureau agent Jeffrey Ray right here on Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield, joined now by one of the Bulldog greats, Jeffrey Ray. Jeffrey, I tell you what, man, it uh, we're getting older. That's the thing about it. When you start talking about, man, one of the all-time greats and all this stuff, man, it makes you feel old. And it's hard to believe what you've been going, what, 13 years now? 13 years. I cannot believe it. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of green grass and a lot of gray hair is, is – a lot more gray hair coming in, a lot more <laughs> green grass going away. Jeffrey, when I look back and just kind of looking back at your high school career, and, and one of the things that always stood out to me is you hit over 600 as a high school junior. I think, what, 631. And I'm just trying to think if my son's nine-year-old team, if I could hit 631, that's an amazing stat. And, and it really began a trek for you, and that, that really kind of picked up the recruiting you know, a lot of people don't understand just how highly recruited you were coming out of high school. How did you end up at Mississippi State? So I made the decision when I was a sophomore in high school. I love playing football. I uh, love competing. I love Friday nights, that kind of stuff. But I never continued to grow. So I just thought it was the best decision for me to uh, uh, play baseball and start playing maybe year-round. Uh, got on with Harry Porter with the Mississippi Stars. And uh, it was a really, it's a really, really neat deal because we go to these universities. You know, it's not like, you know, Coach Polk or, or all these guys are recruiting have to come to you. You know, they're there in the fall. Their their team is on campus, and you're coming to them. So it's a it's a really neat program there. And we got to travel these universities and and see the different universities. And uh, me being an hour away from Mississippi State, you know, I was starstruck. It's, first time I've really, I guess, is, is growing 
growing up, I, you know, I saw the stadium, went to the stadium, but now that I was inside the stadium, it was a lot different. And uh, I guess you could say I was a little starstruck. But I tell everybody, if I had if I had been a football player, I'd probably went to Ole Miss at that time. But me being a baseball player, I went to Mississippi State. Uh, met a little more tradition during that time. And, you know, Coach Bianco has done an unbelievable job. Respect Coach Bianco. Uh, Coach McDonald recruited me at Ole Miss from um, – who is now at Louisville doing a tremendous job, but have the utmost respect for those guys. But at that time, uh, it was just, I was, uh, wanted to be a bulldog. And when I went to the stadium there and, and saw it was, uh, and it's even, I can't imagine now a kid stepping on 16 years old in the stadium, but it was, I had my mind made up. That's where I wanted to go. We talked with Eric DeBose a few weeks ago and we talked about the pressure that comes from being a freshman and all of a sudden, having to head out to the mound in a big game for the first time. And we, you came to mind to Barton me pretty quickly because you're a guy that didn't have uh, long to sit and wait. You basically started almost 60 games your freshman year. How was that transition for you going to high school to all of a sudden being essentially a full-time second baseman for Mississippi State? Early it was, it was easy. Coach Polk always said, he used the word veteranized. He said, we got to get you veteranized. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, we've got to get as many bats, you know, as many ground balls that we can in a live game to get you ready for the SEC. I can remember my freshman year, we get 30, 40 games in. And I'm like, man, I'm starting to get tired. You know, we're, we're playing, uh, you know, five games a week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, along with travel, along with school. I could not, my body was just almost giving out um, as far as, uh, I was losing weight, things like that. I just, you know, wasn't used to it. I understood then after, you know, a 60-game season that I understood what veteranized meant. Uh, that was a very, very tough transition. Uh, very early, I just felt like there wasn't as much pressure, you know, non-SEC games. I, I felt like I was playing eight days a week. And it was very that was the, that was the toughest adjustment. But, you know, went off that summer to Danville, Illinois, and got in the weight room and, and got a better – uh, nutrition plan. I know those things are, are huge now for these guys, but, you know, work with our strength coach and that kind of stuff and had a better plan going into my sophomore year. Talking with Jeffrey Ray, played at Mississippi State 2004-2007. Uh, Jeffrey, last week we talked to Barry Winford, who played at State in the late 1980s, and he was talking about Coach Polk being – the laid-back guy and Coach Pat McMahon, who we'll talk with later in the show today, being kind of the enforcer. We talk about Coach Polk, and so much is made about how laid-back he was and about you know how he was a player's coach. And one of the things I remembered about Coach Polk was when he came up with his starting nine, he played his starting nine. He didn't dip a whole lot into the bench. He didn't make a whole lot of moves. He's just one of those old-school baseball coaches of, hey, I'm going to put my nine out there, and I'm not going to venture away from that a whole lot. But you had to make a change. He asked you to make a change and move from the out from the infield to the outfield. And I remember going second base to center field. How was that transition, and what was it like playing for Coach Ron Polk? How was he as a coach? He is the definition of a player's coach, no doubt. So during the fall, we had we had drill series where where you worked at a certain position or, or a certain couple positions. In my case, going to my senior year uh, that fall. So going back the summer before that, I had went to the Cape Cod. I uh, had expressed to uh, Mike Roberts, whose son Brian Roberts played in the big leagues, 
uh, he was my coach, and I think he also coached at North Carolina. I told him that I wanted to try. We had a pile of infielders, and we only had like three or four outfielders. I said, hey, I can play outfield too. And he said, okay. He, he didn't know that I had not played outfield in a game as Mississippi State. I just said, hey, I can play. He had no idea. So I, I go out there and that summer and, and really work at it. It was a lot different with a wooden bat uh, than, than an aluminum bat um, off the bat. So when I came back to, to state that fall, I told Coach Raffo and Coach Polk, when I met with them, I said, hey, I can play outfield. I, I made the all-star team in outfield this summer. If it gives us another bat in the lineup in a certain situation late in the game or something, you know, I'm comfortable doing that. Coach Polk goes, wait, wait, you've got to go through the drill series before I'll let you play outfield. So that was his big thing is you couldn't go to him in April and say, hey, coach, so-and-so went down, he's hurt, I can play outfield. You had to go through the drill series previously in the fall in order for Coach Post to even consider you to play that position. So that was something that he was – it was cut and dry. There's no gray area. Uh, You had to go through the drill series because I can remember – we had some injuries at shortstop where guys were kind of going here, going there. Well, Thomas Berkeley, I think I was a sophomore, so he would have been a, a redshirt junior. He could play shortstop, but he had not went through that drill series. So Coach Pope was, was totally against it. He said, no, T. Berg, you're, you're not playing shortstop. So that was something that Coach Pope, there was no give there. You know, I think that's something different now. I feel like a lot of, a lot of the recruiting process is they're just recruiting athletes. You know, we'll figure out a position. We'll figure out what's best for you once you get here. And, you know, a lot of teams are transitioning guys here, there, everywhere in the middle of the game. And that, that's so much different than from what Coach Polk did. But he was the definition of the player's coach. And once you got through the drill series in the fall, you got to spring, and he let you play. It was the best time. Bart and I talked so much about 2007 and the run that you guys made to the College World Series. And, I think back to your versatility, talking about moving to the outfield and how that opens up other spots. All of a sudden, Brandon Turner became a pretty dang good hitter, too. That lineup, well, there's some hitters in that lineup. I tell everybody that, you know, that was amazing is how we we literally got put out, I think, in the SEC tournament. We faced two first-rounders, David Price and Will Klein. It, they were very close games, 3-2, to 2-1, two, two to one, something like that. And we go from there to Florida State, win three games, come back to Duty Noble, win two games, and we're in Omaha. We just won five games and went to Omaha. And it, it happened so fast, and it was so crazy. But, you know, you talk about teams getting hot. We were the epitome of getting hot. We had – our bats had, had heated up. And I remember looking back, watching games and stuff, I can't remember where guys batted in the lineup because that lineup was so strong. You couldn't tell, you know, if it's – you know, bottom of the six, who's up? It it didn't matter. They were all we were all three hole hitters. Everybody could hit in that lineup. It was it was a very very strong lineup offensively. Talking with Jeffrey Ray and Jeffrey, our presenting sponsor is Farm Bureau, and uh, you're a Farm Bureau agent in Northeast Mississippi. I, I know with everything going on right now with the coronavirus, everything in the world is different. How has the world been in the insurance business for you over the past several years? Oh man, it's been it's been amazing to me and my family uh, of the the opportunity that Farm Bureau has given me. I never thought I would be in insurance. Um, in college, I was a kinesiology major and uh, clinical exercise, and 
you know, wanted to be a physical therapist. My biggest thing that I keep thinking about is how God led me to insurance was I, I love helping people. And that's what we do every day is help people. We find uh, different needs or different products that they didn't know we had or there's a gap somewhere that we can fill with a, with a certain product. So I feel like being a physical therapist, although it's different than, than what I do, but essentially we're still both helping people. And as far as Farm Bureau, you know, our, our motto is go with the home team. It's it's so neat how in each county these Farm Bureau agents, you know, really uh, go be the home team at, at their local schools and, and communities and, uh, you know, cooking food and doing things for different programs throughout the school district is, is really neat. And, and I, I, now I tell everybody, they say, uh, you know, you're going to stay at Farm Bureau. I said, they're going to have to kick me out. There's no way I'm leaving. So it, it's it's been really neat. Uh, it's just not something I saw myself doing 13 years ago uh, when I was at Mississippi State. But it, it, I can't imagine life without it now. Well, Jeffrey, we appreciate it. It's always good to see you come back to campus. I think about how close that team was uh, you know, 15, 16 years ago and how great it is to see you guys every time you come back. Look forward to seeing you again when you come back to Startle. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed talking with you. That's Jeffrey Ray, former Bulldog, talking about uh, playing at Mississippi State, playing at different positions, and now a great life as an agent at Farm Bureau. And you're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Back on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. Well, it was great to hear from Jeffrey Ray talking about uh, playing on those teams, 04 to 07, going down to Tallahassee, winning that 07 regional, then the Clemson Super Regional going to the College World Series. There was a guy who could spray it all over the yard, Charlie. Oh, he could absolutely hit the baseball. And I think underrated, too, for his ability to run. That was a guy who had a lot of speed as well. And you heard him talk just a moment ago about really just finding a spot in the outfield, telling the the summer league coach, hey, I want to play in the outfield because you got a bunch of infielders. And that's one of the things we've talked about, Charlie, with – if you don't have summer league baseball, a lot of those guys that can tinker with a lot of different things, that's that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's time now for our look back in Bulldog history, brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage. Of course, Henry Cooper and the gang down on Highway 49 in Florence, making the best sausage known to man. Here's what my son did the other day. He went into the grocery store. He went in and he got another brand of sausage, and I did not know it. Put it in the case. We bought it, we took took it home, tried to cook it, and it was nowhere near. Nowhere near. And I felt like I was doing something completely wrong by somewhat cheating on Henry Cooper and those guys. And let me tell you this, he will never, ever make that mistake again. <laughs> well, it's a, lot, a learning opportunity. Don't get the wrong kind of sausage. And to, tonight, our country-pleasing sausage look back at Bulldog history we're going to talk to Pat McMahon later in the show, was the head coach at Mississippi State from 1998 to 2001. And, Charlie, I look back segment tonight. Let's look at a little bit of his history because Bulldog fans today, younger fans, may not understand just how important Pat McMahon was in building this program with Ron Polk. And, in fact, you think back of those teams. What do we talk about so much on this show? We talk about – those teams, 83, 84, 85, 
Well, Pat McMahon was right here for Mississippi State during that time. He was your pitching coach. He was the guy, when we talk about a Jeff Brantley, when we talk about a Will McRaney and a Gene Morgan, when we talk about moving Bobby Thigpen and deciding to use his arm for something other than throwing it in from right field to bring him to the mound, that was Pat McMahon. That was the guy who helped make those choices. Bulldogs had some really good pitching staffs then, and he was had a lot to do with that. And then he was back in the late 1980s, and was to, when you start talking about Tracy Jobs and uh, Bobby Reed and guys like that as well, he took those teams to Omaha with Ron Polk in 1985. And then in the late 1980s, you talk about a stable full of pitchers who was really good. When you think about the late 80s, 85, 87, 89, you have SEC championship teams. He was the next guy. I mean, he was the associate assistant head coach there, pitching coach. Came back from Old Dominion in 1995 as the associate head coach, and he was kind of the coach in waiting at the time. Ron Polk retires at the end of the 1997 season after State goes to the College World Series, and then Pat McMahon takes over in 1998. Now, let's be bluntly honest. Coach Pat McMahon was a different style than Ron Polk, and it took a little bit of an acclimation process to go from the Ron Polk style to the Pat McMahon style, but he had a veteran team coming back in 1998, and that was a team that kind of flipped the switch a little bit about halfway through the season and made a great run to the College World Series. It did, and one of those regionals that was just so memorable for Mississippi State. Back then, you didn't have the super regionals, and so to get through a regional tournament, you really had to do something. And in 98, Mississippi State did that. You go out to Texas A&M, and you think of the teams you got to go through. You've got A&M you've got to play three games with. You've got Rice. I mean, there were some really good teams. Washington was in that regional. And so that was one of the memorable kind of trips to the College World Series. And that was the last year of the six-team regional. And we beat Washington. Then we lost to Texas A&M. And then you got in that dreaded loser's bracket. You won against Rice, a game you probably shouldn't have won. You won 15-14 to 14, and then had to beat A&M twice. You had Van Johnson, who was so good against Rice. That was 15-14. to 14. We won 10-9 to 9 against Texas A&M. And then Chris Reineke in that championship game, we went 11-5 and clinched the College World Series. And that year in the College World Series, remember, they reseeded teams in the World Series. We went to the eight seed, played the number one seed in Florida, and won that game. Matt Ginner picked up the win. Van Johnson came in to get the save. Brad Wilkerson had the bases loaded oh, with two yes. outs in the ninth and hit the ground ball to the first base. When we step on the bag, we win the game because we had the big lead. Florida came back, got it within one. And, and that was the guy you were looking to in the lineup and saying, you cannot <laughs> let it get back to Wilkerson. If it does, we lose. Somehow you got out of it. And then you lost to LSU, lost to Southern Cal. And that 98 season with all the offense was really the College World Series that changed the bats. And we talk about all these guys, when you start looking at a pitching staff, that you know Kevin Donovan was very young. You had you know so many guys on that pitching staff, of Matt Ginner, Mark Free, Chris Reineke. The ERAs are big. And, Charlie, we've talked about stats of not being apples and apples at different times. That 98 season – if you had a high ERA, that really didn't mean a whole lot because of the way the bats were. Chris Reineke that year, we talk about that performance in the championship game. His ERA that season was 7.17. Yeah, you go back and you look, too. Look at the starters like in 98 and the, the ERAs. Jeremy Jackson 
of starting pitchers for Mississippi State had the best ERA on the team, and it was over four and a half. That puts it. That's your ace. That's your best guy. It's a different age, and that's why it is so hard to look at statistics comparing year to year. Then in 1999, State goes 42 and 21. We go to the Ohio State Regional. We lose to Ohio State. We beat Nebraska. We lose to Ohio State. We come home, and then the 2000 season. Mississippi State uh, goes 41-20. and 20. You host a regional. You come back home. You play uh, South Alabama in the first round of the regional. Then you beat Notre Dame 8-1. And then Notre Dame comes back and just shuts us out, 7-0. And then we had the walk-off home run, Ty Martin, 10-9 win. Kevin Donovan coming out of the bullpen late. And State going to the Super Regional against Clemson that year. And so you had really good starts to, to the career. You had the 98 College World Series. 99, you went and ran into a buzzsaw in the Midwest against Ohio State. And then in 2000, one of the great memories of Mississippi State sports, and that was that Ty Martin walk-off. Oh, boy. Shouldn't have gotten there. No, he shouldn't. You shouldn't have gotten to, to needing it, but you did. That was a really tough Notre Dame team. Yeah, Travis Chapman hit a home run to put us ahead. And then Paul O'Toole, remember the name Paul O'Toole? He was the catcher for Notre Dame. He and Philip Willingham squaring off at home plate after a slide, and then O'Toole becomes the villain for the entire series. And it seemed like he came up with big hit after big hit, hit a pop-up out in shallow center field. Manny dropped it, tied the game, and then we win it on the walk-off by uh, Ty Martin. And so that was the 2000 uh, 2000 season. Then the 2001 season, Pat McMahon's last season, we win the SEC Tournament Championship, win 39 games that year, and then go over to Hoover and have a great run in Hoover. We lost to South Carolina, what, the third game, and then uh, came back and beat Carolina and beat LSU. That was that Chris Young game where Chris Young was so good in that championship game when we beat LSU 4-1. And that's one of those two you go back and you sometimes we talk about winning an SEC tournament hurting you. That one didn't because you were able to bounce back, got a little bit of luck. You went back to Ohio for the regional, got a little bit of luck because you never had to play Ohio State. Yep. Advanced to the super regional, have to go out to Cal State Fullerton and yeah, didn't okay. go as well. Well, so you beat Kent State twice up at Ohio State, you beat Delaware, and then you beat Kent State in the championship game. And as you said, you went out to Cal State Fullerton. That first game, we had Tanner Brock, and that's one of the things we haven't talked about. And under Pat McMahon, Tanner Brock was really good as a starter. You had guys like Brian Compton, who was very good out of the bullpen. And then in that Cal State Fullerton game, the second game, Paul Mahalam, who was a true freshman in 2001, I'm going to ask Pat McMahon about Paul Mahalam and Todd Nicholas. I'm going to ask him that question. We talked about those power arms a few weeks ago. But anyway, Cal State Fullerton had Kirk Sarloos. Remember Kirk Sarloos pitched mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros? And so that kind of ended the, the four-year run. And then he went to, to be the head coach at the University of Florida. Different style of play under Pat McMahon than you had seen before. One of the things about Pat, remember the fake bunt slash? Oh, Darren Wright. And Lauderhaus. Yes. You would see that a lot with those guys. Fake as if you're going to bunt, draw the guys in, and then you're then you're swinging it. Well, that's a look back at Bulldog history presented by Country Pleasing Sausage. And when we come back, we'll have a talk with Coach Pat McMahon right here on Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. It's 
And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. It's time now for our guest line segment, brought to you each week by our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland serving the finest farm-raised catfish in great places throughout the country. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how you could head to Pigwick Lake in Mickey, Tennessee, and get some great catfish at Top of the River Restaurant. They're still doing the carryout, just like they are at all their other three locations. I usually get the fried catfish. They have the broiled. That's what Charlie would eat. So go to the topoftheriverrestaurant.com, topoftheriverrestaurant.com, and give them a call at any of their locations at Mickey, Tennessee, Anniston, Alabama, Ganston, Alabama, or on Lake Gunnersville. Top of the River Restaurant, family-owned and operated for over 25 years and serving some of the best catfish you can eat anywhere, and it's supplied by Heartland Catfish. Now let's go to the guest line where former Bulldog head coach Pat McMahon joins us. Hey, Coach, appreciate you taking your time and uh, sharing a little baseball knowledge with me and Charlie. Well, it's it's completely my honor. And uh, Mississippi State has a very, very special place in my heart. And, uh, and it's mostly because of so many wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, I'm truly honored to be on the show. Coach, taking over the program in 1998, and, of course, you had – had head coaching experience at Old Dominion, but jumping into the SEC as a head coach, and you start looking at that roster that came off that 1997 season, and then you start looking at the players in 1998, uh, Brian Weiss who had a 412 season, a Richard Lee, a Brad Freeman, a Brooks Bryan, a, you know, Rusty Toms and Lake and John Knott. I mean, you've got so many guys that came back off that 1997 team. What was it like? first-year head coach in the Southeastern Conference at a place that meant a lot to you to be able to go to the College World Series because that season had some ups and downs. It certainly did. You know, and after going to the World Series the, the, the year before in the sense of a couple things. One, it's a great, great tribute to those players. And I tell you for a lot of reasons, most of that club, and, and you'll know what I mean by this, was deleted by the June draft and guys that had signed and moved on. Brad Freeman actually signed and then came back to school, which was a phenomenal uplift for that ball club. You talk about Richard Lee and his leadership. What a great family. And and those players, because of because in other words, a lot of things happened during the course of this season, and and, and we didn't start out real well. And I know a lot of people, a lot of our great fans. Uh, what are we getting into? But to the players' credit, they persevered because uh, Coach Polk, Ron Polk, and I are such close, close friends and, and had wonderful coaching relationship. Yet I think one of the reasons that we enjoyed working so much with each other was the fact I think we were a lot different in so many ways. And so when one takes over a program, there's some subtleties or changes that I think you, in essence, one has to try to do it the own way, if that makes sense. So our players, to their credit, had to put up with an awful lot of me in a lot of different ways. And to our coaching staff, the Jim Cases, Charlie Anderson. But, you know, Tommy Raffo and, and, and Jim Case, uh, their leadership of what they did to pull uh, the club through, I think, needs to be very much credited as well. And, you know, you talk about a Joe Deere, who did so much for the program. And Jim Ellis, you know, we tried to operate from a team environment. Everybody had significant roles in that. Um, Everett Kennard had a huge role. I mean, you talk about people that are Jay Logan. Wow. So there's so many different dimensions of a program and to make adjustments to what 
of the legendary Ron Polk and then replacing some of the things that he had established in many different ways. So player's credit, number one. Coach, you obviously do not get to become a Hall of Famer like you are without a lot of special moments. Bart and I were reminiscing about some that we remember in particular. Obviously, the series with Notre Dame where we were able to win the regional here, the Ty Martin home run. The one that the game that always kind of I think about was laying on the floor listening to you guys win a regional tournament at Texas A&M, and it seemed like Chris Reinecke went out to the mound took the ball and just decided we're winning this baseball game. As you look back, what are your memories on that 98 regional out at Texas A&M? Well, first of all, Texas A&M is one of the great college environments and led by Mark Johnson, the legendary coach who have a great, great relationship. It was a very, very uh, talented regional tournament with many, many, with the teams that were very talented. I don't know that we going into that, would have been favored by many means. But again, players' credit. Uh, you, you talk about players stepping up and players wanting to take the ball, wanting to make plays. Those type of things are credit to the players and in, in, in their heart and their drive and, their, and, and what it makes to be special. And I think the tradition of Mississippi State baseball and wanting to live through that is a big part of that process as well. Coach Charlie mentioned just a moment ago, and I know that it's been a – a long time removed now. It's been 20 years. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. But the moment I'll always remember is in 2000 in that regional against Notre Dame in the championship game, and it was a situation of it had come down to a bases-loaded situation late in the game. We had thrown Kevin Donovan on Friday night and on one-day rest. It's almost like we're going to throw the ball in Kevin Donovan's hand and we're going to win it or we're going to lose it with our horse. And then Ty Martin walks it off. Coach, what are your memories of that specific game and that specific tournament? Yeah, that was one of the all-time favorite games I've ever uh, been involved in, and a lot of different reasons. Travis Chapman had some big moments in that game. I have the privilege of working with today. He's done a great job with us in the New York Yankees. And, you know, Ty Morton, Martin had transferred in, and what a first-class player, and just uh, a player that worked so hard and, and, and they did so many little things. So it's a combination of a lot of things against a, a great Notre Dame team and um, an outstanding coach, Paul Maneri at that time, and some great assistant coaches that he had on that staff. And, and to play in that environment was just uh, pretty emotional. Coach, one of the things that Bart and I know too well living in Starkville is Coaches are people. Life uh, forces you to move now and then. You have to make choices the way we all do in life. You ultimately left Mississippi State, went to Florida, and became the head coach there and had a lot of success. What went into the decision to, to move on from Mississippi State? Uh, that, 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 that I never wanted to leave Mississippi State. and uh, uh, it, it is such a very, very special place in mind, Sherry, Logan, and Wells' heart. And uh, the opportunity, uh, you know, I had grown up in Florida. I'm the oldest of eight kids, and uh, we lived in Jacksonville. My dad was transferred there, went to junior college, played high school baseball, was a high school coach in the state of Florida. So he had many, did a lot of recruiting in Florida, had so many significant ties. But without getting too deep into it, it was a decision, a family decision, a family decision that our family needed us back there. And uh, it was so tough to leave Mississippi State, but uh, it was was a family decision, and um, to be back there and, and uh, the kind of good Lord guide you in so many different ways, knowing that we felt 
as a staff that Mississippi State program, uh, the players returning set up for an outstanding drive for a national championship. And one of the things, too, Charlie Bart, I'd like to bring up, you know, once we built that beautiful stadium, the ball played differently coming off that hill, you know, and, and, and the ball didn't travel like it did. And so we, we made a judgment decision to really work on a pitching staff and to really work defensively to try to rebuild. So there was a lot of things going in. And if you look at the pitching staff that was, was set to leave to play to continue the success of Mississippi State baseball, I felt like we had left the program in, in wonderful shape to move forward. So uh, I hope that understands it without getting into too much depth about it that, uh, for the family reason and those that I've shared with most of the folks that we're close to know that. Coach, you mentioned some of those players that you left. And earlier this season, Charlie and I on this show were talking about Mississippi State having two really good freshman right-handed arms, Will Bednar, and then you had Landon Sims. And we were trying to talk about when is the last time that Mississippi State brought in two overpowering-type pitchers. And the two guys that I kept going back to was in 2001, and they were not righties, they were lefties, and that was Paul Mahalam and Todd Nicholas. When I think of Paul Mahalam, not many people understand just how close he came to signing a contract out of high school, but those are the two guys I kind of remember with Mahalam and Nicholas being those power arms. Well, you know, Paul, what a, what a first-class young man, and I, I tell you, it's kind of an interesting recruiting story. And, you know, one of the things that I've always strongly believed in that uh, the college education and, 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 and the discipline of a program and, and players to fit into the system. Uh, yet having said that, from professional baseball, we wanted all of our young men, all of our baseball players, to get an opportunity to go on and play professional baseball. And it was a family decision based on if they should sign and when they should sign. Now, obviously, in Paul's case, he was drafted. It was a very, very difficult decision for him at that time with his family. And we never tried to talk players out of not signing because we felt very strongly if they would come, we hoped that they could help and develop and mature in a lot of different ways. At that time, the rule was if you attended the first class, you would be then locked into going to college, in his case, for a three-year commitment. Um, so until you attended that first class. So, you know, from a recruiting perspective, uh, we were pretty on pins and needles about uh, – if one would, would go to class because it was a player. So we kind of monitored that, and Jim Case was ran our pitching staff, and to his credit, did a wonderful job in so many different ways. And Tommy, you see specifically when Paul attended that first class, not on the first day of classes because he had a commitment before. It was on the second day. And I tell you, Mississippi State, there was a lot of smiling faces when Paul decided to stay and become a Bulldog. And I and hope if you ask Paul that question, it was a wonderful decision for him. I know he made us look pretty good when he towed the rubber. I'll tell you what, Coach, I'll never forget. I shared an office with Jim Ellis, and I'll never forget that morning at about 10 o'clock, Jim Case walking into that office sitting in a chair like he had just gone through a 15-round fight, and he says, boys <laughs> – Paul went to class this morning. I'll never forget that. <laughs> was he doing cartwheels after that as well? Uh, he, he was smiling ear to ear. <laughs> I'll tell you, Jim Case, what a what a great, great human being. What an outstanding baseball coach. And if we could tell a quick story, you know, Jim, the stadium at Jacksonville State is now named after Jim Case. And uh, I had the privilege of going down there when that happened. And 
what a what an outstanding person and an outstanding human being and and and, and I know a lot of people so strongly feel that and uh He's one of the outstanding coaches in the country. Coach, you now work with the New York Yankees, the most decorated team in the history of baseball, Bart. I'll oh, remind Charlie. you of that. And when you look at the job you've been doing with the Yankees, you've worked in the Dominican with international players. You've been the director of instruction, where you've had the chance to work with all different types of players. One of the things I remember about you being a head coach at Mississippi State was you were very well-versed in the idea of the benefits of going to college versus going pro straight out of high school. How do you see that today? Where does the college player stack up as opposed to the international players or the high school players? Is college baseball still viable and important? Very much so. You know, professional baseball is you're a professional. It is your job. It is your career. That is a significant difference. I think to see that uh, one thing I love about being with the New York Yankees is the fact that it's a very teaching-driven organization. And within the world we live today with analytical, we have so much more information, and it's been such a neat part. We could have a whole discussion on that part of the game. I feel like I'm, I'm just getting back into the game in so many different ways. I'm learning so much in a neat way from an analytical perspective. But having said that, um, college baseball is so strong. And the reason it is is because of the great coaches that are out there in the institutions. When you play for a university, there's something very special that lives on for your heart. Number one, in education is of critical importance, critical importance in the life goals. Because most guys that sign professional contracts don't make it to the big leagues. And that's where obviously the money is intact, if that makes sense. Having said that, there are times when players coming out of high school, it's a good decision to go on to start their career. So it's really a family decision based on many, many reasons, and, and they must do their homework as to why that happens. And, and I think it's a big thing. From a Yankees' perspective, it's, uh, we're doing some really neat things. I'm really excited about a lot of the things that are going on from that perspective. That, does that kind of answer? And I can talk a little bit about the different roles in professional baseball, but does that make sense that college baseball is very, very strong? Junior college baseball, for some players, is a big deal, where players can grow and mature before they go on for the endeavors of uh, trying to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And let me ask you this. If there's one thing I know about Pat McMahon, it's very hard to get you to brag on yourself, but I got to visit with you down at spring training last year. And one of the things I know, you've devoted time to helping players, these international players, further their education. Talk about what the Yankees are doing to to help these kids coming from the Dominican to go on and be uh, educated students as well. Well, thanks for asking that. You know, uh, international baseball, when I first joined the Yankees, uh, I had a chance to manage. I managed our Staten Island team and really enjoyed that part of the process. The next year I was asked to go on and, and kind of coordinate or move through the system, evaluating players and coaches, in which I really enjoyed. So I, I'm on the field every day, and I'm coaching and teaching, and I love that part of it. You know, designing a job where it's, it's so, so exciting. We're working at the place of the major league players all the way down to the youngest players. Uh, the, the following year after that, I did the same role again. And then we went down to Latin America, which is in Boca Chica, the Dominican Republic. Each club has an academy or an affiliate there. And international baseball, international baseball means for any players that would be non-drafted. Uh, and so the international market is a huge part of professional baseball today. 
I had a chance to direct our academy, and, and it was a wonderful blessing for a lot of reasons. So many of those young players from Latin America, the Dominican Republic, Panama, Venezuela, Colombia, those players, particularly in Latin America, the Dominican Republic, where the academies are, the education system is not as good as growing. And many of the players, their native tongue is Spanish. And so one of our goals as we in the academy was to teach our players English, along with, in many cases, and some having only third grade educations, Spanish itself. So we started classes in Latin America and actually have a GED program now for our players at the academy that I'm so proud of, of all the things, because it gives them an opportunity. If baseball is taken away, hopefully that diploma can help them get employment for the families. Many of those young players that come over from Latin America, when they first start, their paycheck goes totally and immediately right back to their families because it is a very, very poor country for most of the people there. And so having that education, I hope, is a step above something that I'm very, very proud of for, uh, for our players. And Charlie and I, we have a lot of affinity toward the Yankees. Charlie has grown up a Yankees fan. Of course, I have, uh, of course, you in that organization. You have Travis Chapman in that organization. Of course, Marcus Timms is a mutual friend of Charlie and I's. And Coach, oh, I, wait a minute, Marcus, uh, what a great one. <laughs> what an outstanding human being. And, I, and, and Marcus has done an outstanding job with our hitting program and one of the one of the most first-class people, uh, just right down the road from Louisville. Yeah, don't give him too much credit now. We, we can't we can't be talking too good about him, Coach. I tell you what, let's do this more often. We, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We could talk forever. That's one of the great things uh, about your knowledge of the game and your knowledge of Mississippi State. We could do this a, a good bit, and hey, we want to get you back on sometime and and just talk for a long time about Mississippi State, about professional baseball, about minor league baseball. This has been awesome. Well, I appreciate that. One thing I'd like to mention, too, that you talk about being proud of things. You know, our summer camp program that we're at Mississippi State and had the chance to put that together and direct that. And the number of coaches, the high school coaches and the different college coaches and the players that have gone through that, you know, is something that I'm so, so proud of that I hope continues. Our goal was to have the best summer baseball camp in the, in America. And I hope that in many, many ways and, and the progress that it made and, and the way it helped finance a lot of our program at that time because that's how a lot of the program the baseball program was funded through our summer camps and uh, was a big part of the growth process for me because it helped tie into the community in so many different ways and can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys and the honor to be able to visit and and to please tell all our great Mississippi State fans uh, that I love them and miss them. Coach, I, I, I'm going to have to ask you one more question to follow up on that, sure. just real quick about baseball. You mentioned being a graduate assistant at Mississippi State, running yep. that count program, and I think about how many college and high school coaches coming through. Do you think baseball is failing at this point in terms of giving young coaches enough opportunities to be around college programs and to improve? Well, and I do in this sense. The graduate assistant program is an entry-level position to find out, one, if the college environment fits for a coach and his family or vice versa. I think it's a big deal. I think that's a, a big part of the process that needs to happen. I hope to think that you know the NCAA will work hard to do that and commit to baseball for those reasons. The graduate assistant program and being able to take care is a big part of the development of coaches. Well, Coach, you're a Hall of Famer. You're a, a big influence on my life. First person that ever gave me a job, Bart, was Pat McMahon. I showed up at those baseball camps he's talking about, and I, 
I worked until he hired me. First and, game I broadcast, Charlie, at Mississippi State, was Joey Callum's on a Friday night, Super Bulldog weekend against LSU, and Pat McMahon was in that third-base dugout. Uh, Coach, you mean a lot to us, and you're taking the time today to visit with us means an awful lot. Thanks so much for your time, and we would really love to have you back. Bart, uh, Charlie, uh, you guys are very special, and, and please, and, and what's going on in the world we live today, and a lot of prayers go out to, to a lot of different families, and hopefully we can, we can weather the storm. I know we will. Uh, but thanks so much, and again, uh, it's my honor. And that's former Bulldog coach Pat McMahon. Well, it was great to talk with Coach McMahon and, and get his insights. And, Charlie, he is a guy, and if you really understand what went on behind the scenes in 2001, it, it was not a situation of Pat McMahon really wanting to leave Mississippi State, but from a family standpoint, it was a situation of you really had to go. One of the good guys. I've always enjoyed speaking with him. You talk about a guy that has all of his stuff together, very organized. The guys that played for him care a lot about him. Oh, yeah. He filled all the things we hear about Ron Polk all the time, a player's coach. And you can have a player's coach if you've got that person to come back behind him and keep everything in line. And we heard Barry Winford say it a week ago, Pat McMahon was so important to Mississippi State, not just going to the World Series, not just his run as head coach, but – working on those mid-80s teams, and then when he came back in the mid-90s, Pat McMahon it made a real difference at Mississippi State. Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Enjoyed it. We'll do it again next week. Hard to believe another week has gone by. And we'll be right back next week for another edition of Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.